Shelly here. Welcome to season eight. And I just wanted to chat with you about finding a space for your next shoot. It can be so hard. There's so many things to think about, so many people to talk to, making notes and writing things down and trying to remember who I talked to about what. But you know what? Space for Arts can make it so much easier. They have a marketplace that's Airbnb meets Resi meets a CRM for professional production spaces. I can go on there and I can search for exactly what I need, a large kitchen, multiple refrigerators, certain power needs, equipment, and I can find it. I can place holds, I can place challenges, and the minute I book, all of those holds and challenges get released. So there's no back and forth. It saves me so much time. They are an incredible global marketplace with over a thousand spaces listed in key U.S. markets, including London and Berlin, and are adding new listings daily. You can find it, plan it, book it, and manage it all at spaceforarts.com. As a Focus on Women member and many others in the group, we use Space for Arts to find our production professional spaces. And I suggest you do as well. So head on over to spaceforarts.com and get your next production studio space for your next shoot today. Hi, this is Tracy with Focus on Women, and today's guest is Kanitha Brown. She's a Cambodian-American photographer whose artwork is influenced by her experiences with intimacy and body politics. Kanitha is based in Providence, Rhode Island. She shoots commercial and fine art and has been published in places that include Rolling Stone Magazine, Elle Magazine, Parade, and more. Super excited to hear more about her path, and welcome, Kanitha. Thank you. We also have Miss Shelly Waldman with us, the amazing producer of this podcast. Hi, Shelly. Hello. So, Kanita, tell us, um, tell us a little bit about where you started. I look. Um, I know you went to school for photography, but have you always had a passion for photography? Where does that come from? And then take us through your school life and where that went to. So my love of photography came from my mom. Um, when she came to the U.S. from Cambodia, she was around 14. And later on in her upbringing in the U.S., she picked up a camera and started documenting um, her new life here and her friends around her and just happy things. And I've been surrounded by those archives for my entire life. I used to steal the photos and hang them up in my room. Um, I was obsessed with them, and they were definitely... Um, my teaching and like developing my artistic eye. So yeah, my mom is definitely the person that inspired me to get into photography. And I picked it up professionally senior year of high school. And then I started my career at Massachusetts College of Art and Design in 2019. And I'm a junior currently. So yeah. Ah, currently a student. Awesome. Yes. I think yes. you're our first current photo student. <laughs> nice. Okay. So talk to us about that because I personally have never been to photography school, but it'd be fun to hear a little bit more about what, what you're studying, you know, how they, what are the different classes? Because I know you do some fine art as well as commercial work. Yeah. Before we get into that. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Go ahead, Shelly. Can we it, talk a little bit about the, the exploratory before you picked where to go to school, right? So there's yeah, all this stuff that happens kind of in high school. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of curious a little bit about, you know, the experimentation that happened when you were younger, right? Like in middle school, yeah. high school, where you like, quote unquote, stealing the camera from home to go to <laughs> photograph your friends. Kind of what was, what was the exploration for you in the craft that you know, kept you going. And then when you decided like, Hey, I'm going to start a business your senior year, I want to know what did your parents think about that? Yeah, that's a great topic. And I'm glad that I'm one of the younger people. So this is a great um, topic if anybody's interested in school or anything like that. But um, yeah, I don't think there's a right or wrong way. Um, but when I was growing up, um, I didn't have access to a camera. I loved photography. I would use my phone. That's the only camera I had and I couldn't afford one. And then senior year, I got gifted a camera for Christmas, which was like the best gift I ever <laughs> received. And I started off with digital and I would take pictures of my friends all the time. I would never do my homework senior year. I wasn't a terrible student, but I was just more obsessed with 
throughout the day, I would be thinking about what type of photo shoot am I going to do when I get out of class today? I was texting people, hey, do you want a model for me? Stuff like that. And when I didn't have a model, I would take pictures of my mom plant, my mom's plants and pretend that they were portraits and stuff like that. So I was obsessed with that camera. And yeah, and by the time I figured out that like, I could potentially have a career in this and I wanted to explore that I had already, I was pretty much 90% ready to commit to Lesley University for elementary education. Like by that time, it was April uh, 2018. And I was freaking out, but I knew that my heart was with photography. And I remember um, when I had accepted students day at Leslie, I had the opportunity, we got to like pick a workshop we wanted to do in like the intended major we applied for. And I switched my workshop without telling my parents from elementary ed to photography workshop, just to go see if this was what was right for me. And then I ended up telling my parents they were okay with that. Um, I think they were still kind of under the impression that I was into elementary education, but they knew that I loved photography. So they were kind of just like, as long as she's interested in college, that's a good thing. And after that workshop, I was like, you know what? I need to do some rethinking. And I decided to take a gap year. And my parents were extremely <laughs> upset about that. My dad was a little more on board than my mom. Because um, traditionally on my mom's side, it's just go to college. And um, she was worried about the sacrifices she made for me and just wanted to make sure that I, you know, knew what I was doing. Um, but I, I had no other choice. It was too late to like, apply to new schools. So yeah, I took a gap year, explored, you know, where I fit in photography. I was working part-time while also doing photo shoot stuff and just trying to get my name out there. And yeah, and it worked. And then I figured out by like spring that year that I was going to be going to Massachusetts College of Art. I really wasn't sure if I wanted to go to college at all, but I felt like I needed direction and I'm the type of person that needs like a concrete schedule in order to just not sleep in bed all day. So that was really important for me. And it was, you know, my first year of college, I was like, I don't know about this, but now I, now that I'm in my major, I really feel like I belong here. And I think, like I said, there's no right or wrong way, but just the conversations we have at school, kind of going into Tracy's question that the conversations we have at a fine art school are like really important to be having. I think I would have never gone in the direction that I'm in now if I didn't go to this school. But yeah, it's, it just feels like rewarding. It feels like I'm meant to be there. So it's nice. That's awesome. And is it part of your program to do these kind of, uh, to kind of delve into the commercial side? Or was that just in your you know, because like you said, you were shooting everything you yeah. know, on your own in high school already. But is that part of the curriculum? Is that you also shoot for some magazines or, or you test or I'm imagining that you would test. But talk a little bit more about that because you've been published in a number of magazines and editorial yeah. shoots. So a lot of so my program is a bachelor of fine arts and i would say that if you were getting a bachelor's in photography there might be a little bit more of a concentration in like commercial and client work and stuff like that but at my school there's barely any of that it's like it's kind of unfortunate and i've spoken out um within the department and have said you know like i really place a value on fine art. I think it's really important, but there needs to be a reminder that this type of artwork can be really inaccessible for people because the majority of us that are doing any sort of client work, no matter what it is, it's to make money. That's really important. Um, and a lot of us love it. And when we would bring that into class, it would often be labeled as like not good enough or not fine art. Like it needed to be stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I was just making the point that like, you know, photography can be fine art, it can be whatever it is, but like, you don't just make money from making fine art, like you have to get grants to do stuff like that. And so yeah, I think there's now a little bit more recognition within the program of commercial work as something that's important and can be really fine art and beautiful. But yeah, there's, I've, I have an adjunct professor right now who used to go to MassArt 
and he's phenomenal. And he has even admitted himself that, and I'm not saying anything against the school either. He was just saying that it's a more fine art program. And he kind of felt out of place sometimes for just loving fashion and stuff like that and bringing that into class. Um, so there's definitely some professors that are more okay with that than others. But I think as the curriculum ages and becomes newer, you know, there may be more acceptance for that. But we only have like two classes right now that deal with client work or like studio lighting. The rest of it is very much like fine art and finding your voice and like photojournalism and stuff like that, which is great. But I think a balance would be nice. So everything that I'm doing, I'm doing outside of class, but really using these skills that I'm getting from these technique classes and critique and stuff like that to like bring the commercial work up to a level where it can be like actually had a conversation about if that makes sense. But mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do have some friends that went to a more like traditional BFA program. And one of the things I know that I hear a lot is they don't teach you how to run a business. No, no. So you're agreeing that you don't really get a lot of that background. And my background, actually, I went through school and I got an economics background and I grew up in a very like, we talked about finances all the time in my home. And so I realized later on how fortunate I was that I have this background and money. And so I'm curious as you now are kind of on the cusp of almost like the next transition, right? After about another Mm -hmm. year or so from now, Yeah. but you're already working on this business. You're already taking client work on now. How do you think about your business? How are you, you know, working on those skills that you're not getting at school? Where are you learning and who are you looking to for that help? It's interesting because like a lot of it I had to figure out on my own and I'm really thankful to be like in a generation where I know that I can turn to the internet as corny as it is to find some of this information. And a lot of the stuff that I've learned just about getting myself out there has just been from being honest and asking people that I look up to. I do it a little bit less now, but I know during quarantine, especially I had so much time and I was reaching out to a lot of um, older female photographers and saying, Hey, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? Um, What should I keep doing? And a lot of it, a lot of the advice I was getting is just to kind of fake it till you make it and act like, you know, what you're doing and feel really professional when you might not. But otherwise, a lot of the information I've learned has just been like online through YouTube or whatever, learning about invoicing and stuff like that. But yeah, it's definitely it's a learning experience. And there's one class that I ended up dropping a couple weeks ago was the one class we have in the, in the photography department that has stuff to do with contracts and invoicing and whatever, but it was too much of a class to take on right now. But it's sad that there's only one, like, I wish there was a little more, like we have like a financial literacy class for artists in general at the school, but it's so hard to get in. And yeah. Um, there's still a lot of stuff that I don't know, but yeah, I just kind of figured it out. I was just trying to say, you know, I would get hired by this big client and I was like 18 or 19 and I was just kind of learning through them what the process was. Um, like, oh, I'm going to get invoice for this or I'm going to blah, blah, blah. I need to fill out this form. And I was like, okay, this is how this works. So it was crazy that I was thrown in right away without knowing, but I think just the real experience and just trying things and asking people questions was good. And just, there were times where I had to like get over my anxiety and just say, Hey, I'm not sure what this means. Can you explain it to me? Stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah. I think those are some great lessons just for people in general at any age, right? If you don't know, like ask what it is. And and if there's people ahead of you that might have the answer, like reaching out, like you might not hear back, but what if you do? Right. Right. So I think that, I think it's great. I mean, I see that your tenacity is really like, you know, pulling you forward and pulling you up into like the next evolution of yourself. And it's really exciting. I'm also just curious, where do you see like the next you know, what is the next iteration for you? You you already do some editorial fashion brand work, and then you also have your fine art side. Is there something you're currently exploring that you're thinking about, gee, this is going to be the next project I want to work on? Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely trying to find a 
balance between the two because I know that I have a career in one, um, but I still really love making work that actually means something. Um, this semester, as for like the fine artwork at school, I was asked to be challenged by my professor to just take pictures that really represent myself and take pictures of things that scare me, which is really interesting. And I think that has totally changed where my work is going to be going. Um, and I'm gonna try to focus on that this year. But as for like the client work, I really want to go to LA in like two years, but I don't know what's gonna happen with that, but I'm just, um, that's the next step. There's no, like, I wanna work at this company. It's just for the past four years, it's been, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna save a ton of money. And yeah, it's just, I guess it's like financial goals right now. I'm like, okay, I need to make this much and then I'm gonna go. Um, but yeah. So what's the draw of LA? I think that my client base is, I don't know how to say this, is represented more there than it is here. I am a little turned away by New York because I'm like from the beach and I'm a slow person. And I was just like, I've visited so many times and I have not fallen in love with it yet. And I know you guys are from there, so But yeah, it's, I... I don't know. I haven't found myself there yet. And I think I've told myself many times, I think when I'm a little bit older, I'll go there, but I know right now I need to be in LA, uh, working with young people and musicians and stuff like that. Um, and it's just been a dream of mine to make that kind of work. So, yeah. And I think like I get clients here, but not a ton of on-site stuff. It's like, hey, I'm from Rolling Stone. I'm from whatever. I'm emailing you from New York or LA right now. Can you go do this assignment? And I would love to actually just be there on location and actually meet these people. But yeah, like there's just so much more work out there. That's basically my big answer. But yeah. Yeah, I grew up in LA, so. Wow, um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and Tracy has family in LA and has yeah. you have some roots there too. Yeah, I went to high school there. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, you want to talk LA? We we can we can do yeah. that. Yes, or even California. Yeah, or even California. I mean, I get yeah. the whole yeah. the, the whole state. thing. Yeah, and the whole slower pace than New York. You know, now that I yeah. am in New York, it's it's very different. Their people yeah. are very different. I'm definitely um, scared. I'm very scared to make the move out there. Um, I've grown up in Rhode Island for my entire life. And I did one semester on campus before COVID happened. Oh my God, almost two years ago now. It's so scary. Um, and I did not, I just didn't, it wasn't for me. And I loved being home. So now I commute to Boston from Providence, which is a mess. But um yeah, so I'm I'm definitely like nervous about leaving for once. And there's always people saying good and bad things about both cities, but I just need to go and try it and visit a couple of times before I make the official decision. But yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think mean, there's something about going and saying to yourself, like, okay, I'm going to spend three months here. Yeah. And I'm going to, you know, here's the whatever three to five things I want to do in three months and meet these people and then take a good self assessment of. Mm-hmm. Is this the right place for me? I mean, there's other places if you're interested in music, you know, Chicago and Nashville right. and Memphis yeah. and Austin and Portland, Seattle, mm-hmm. like those are all, you know, secondary kind of cities besides maybe Chicago's a little bit bigger than the rest, but yeah, yeah, that also kind of have really great artist vibe, you know, is also like more a little slower, a little slower piece. Mm-hmm. So maybe you just need a road trip. I do. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fun. A photography road trip. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm curious to go back a little bit and ask Mm -hmm. what it was like when you did that first commercial job. How did you know what to charge? Oh my God. (laughs) So because I'm under the impression that you hadn't taken that class yet at school where they talked about rates and maybe they came to you maybe the client came to you and said we have this much money or whatever that's fine too but I'm just curious like were yeah. you nervous about like oh my god how do I sell myself and what do I ask yeah for? I so I know that like with my first client jobs that weren't like something like senior pictures or whatever like working with brands 
I either would completely undercharge as we all did at the beginning um, because I had no confidence in myself. And then there would be times where I would allow the client to tell me what they wanted to pay me. And then about two years ago, I figured out what I wanted to be paid. And recently, now that I'm shooting like pretty completely on film, I've kind of gotten to the point where I don't want to take chances anymore. And it's like, I know what I deserve. And I still go underneath that all the time. And there are young women who are in my circle that are starting out with photography too. And they're like, Oh my God, how do you charge that much? I still don't. And I'm like, I was at that point too. We all were, but you just kind of have to have confidence in yourself and just remember how much effort you're putting into it. But yeah, now I'm getting a lot better at just straight up telling people, this is what I'm charging you. And if this is not a good time financially, come contact me another time. Um, it's getting easier to like bargain with people and still get what I want to be paid, but the, I always feel like it needs to go up all the time. So, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. The more experience you get and the more jobs you book and the bigger, you know, your, your breadth of not only just your mental confidence, right. But the breadth of work that you can do every time you do a job, you know, you're worth more. So just remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I gained a lot of confidence when Rolling Stone started asking me to do freelance gigs here in New England. And I was like, okay, if Rolling Stone is asking for this much, then I need to get my stuff together and feel confident that this person, this company is telling me I deserve this. Um, and yeah, so that's been a little more helpful, but I still sometimes feel underconfident myself, you know, as a woman, um, where, as you guys know, it's just difficult to feel that confidence in this workplace. And I know that our field is definitely overflowing with white cis male photographers all the time. And it just sucks to deal with, but yeah, I think things are going to get better. We're going to get more confidence and it's going to be good. So how did you build this relationship with Rolling Stone? So basically what happened was I got an email, um, I guess in August, last year or so asking me to photograph a musician in Boston that I had already worked with before. And to be honest, it was funny because I was like, oh my God, the photos I took for that person, I felt like it was not a good day for me. I was going through so much of the time and I was like, oh my God, like this can't be happening. But it was great to work with them again. And the photo editor at the time, she was really nice to me and it was, yeah, it was surprising because she was like a big fan of my work and I was just like, what is going on? This is the coolest thing ever. And I think I was still, yeah, I was 19 or 20. I don't remember. So that was just like a lot for me. I think that was like the biggest thing that I had at the time and it made me feel like in disbelief. But yeah, and then over time, um, I just got asked back to do a couple of more things here in New England just working with local people that they were making editorials about. And that's basically the relationship. It's not something like, oh, I work in the office or anything like that because I'm not there, but it's just all location stuff. But it's, yeah, I was, I I was learned, curious if you had yeah, done yeah. any outreach or if they found you through, you know, like a showcase at school. No, or... they literally all of my work, this is another interesting topic. All of my work is found through like Instagram, which is so interesting. Cause like, I think it's kind of stupid sometimes, but it's true. Like literally so many people find me through like Boston photographer hashtag. And then I get whatever. Cause yeah, that's basically been every big client that I've had, which is really interesting. And yeah, the other thing I was going to say is like, I did learn through this relationship that like these bigger clients are like, it's just crazy because you just kind of get a phone call or an email and they expect you there like the week of and you have to drop everything you're doing just so you can like have this opportunity and being a student basically full time and having an internship and doing all my client stuff. It's like, it's a lot, but like I drop everything every time and I'm like, sorry to this person, I need to move you at this point. But like, that was my dream. Like when I went into college, I was like, I want to get to the point where people are calling me like once a month for this big thing. And I was like, eventually I won't have time for college. But that was so stupid. I was like, no, I, I deserve to be here. I work so hard. I love it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm struggling to balance both, but I'm really happy and thankful for that. 
I think it's really awesome that a hashtags on Instagram work. I yeah. mean, you're, you're proof of that. Right. Um, yeah. I, and I do think that the location stuff really matters, right? So especially in the smaller markets and Tracy and I, you can speak to this too. Like we really saw a big shift kind of even pre-pandemic starting kind of at the end of 19, beginning 20. And then obviously when the pandemic hit, it was hyper like micro-targeted markets to yeah. get people that were on the ground there. We can't fly people across country or, you know, to other places. So who can we get that's local to do it? So I think it's awesome that you kind of came onto the scene right as that transition happened. And yeah. it's really benefited your, you know, yeah. your professional work. Yeah, right? I agree. I would say that like, honestly, like I was having some big things occasionally before the pandemic hit, but you're right. Like as soon as it happens, like people were looking for more local stuff and that's how I got the opportunity. But yeah, like, yeah, it's so interesting to see that. I think the pandemic has definitely been awful for a lot of us in many different um, upsetting ways, but um, this is one of the good things that has come out of it. Like all of the big work has been happening during the pandemic, which is interesting. But. So we, because of Instagram and people finding you on Instagram, do you, and you've kind of now noticed that, right? Like, oh, I didn't care sometimes. And now it sounds like you might care a little bit more. Do you pay more <laughs> attention to your feed and posting to your feed? Yeah, I try not to get too caught up in it because I would love to just make everything my way and not care about algorithms and whatever, but I do pay attention to that. I pay attention to like when is a good time to post and I try to, I got caught up in the beginning with the advice about the very general advice about, oh, make sure your feed looks a certain way. It has to be one certain thing. But if you're a photographer, I think every single person no matter what skill set you're at, has a unique um, artistic vision and is making things in a certain way where like if you want to do commercial work and like, I don't know, some sort of other work, um, they will look the same. Like that's my opinion. Like I think that you don't need to take pictures of one thing to make your Instagram look good. Um, I think do whatever you want and your style is you. But um, I just try to like make sure everything looks okay. And I, the one thing I do that's helped me a ton is I pay attention to who follows who. So if I see something that I really like, I just go and follow like everyone tagged on the post. So if there's some sort of um, creative team or some sort of music video I saw, I'll go connect with the producer, the blah, blah, blah. And then they will come follow back me or like LinkedIn, stuff like that. Everyone's connecting with each other. And that's how people know each other. And it's like, it's weird. It's like online connections. It's very weird, but it, it helps. Cause like I'm meeting all these people that I would never meet in real life that are following my work. So that's been the most helpful thing. And it, it's inspiring. Even if you don't get a follow back from those people or ever hear from them in your life, it's just important um, to be following those people. So do you, like how do you manage all of that right so you connect with all these people and this is something Tracy and I talk a lot about in the back channels which is like you know there's hundreds and hundreds even thousands of people that you can follow and um I was just doing this I think like earlier today I was on there I saw a photo shoot I was like oh this I don't know this prop stylist like I want to follow them so you know you go down the rabbit hole of like oh what is what is they what do they do and who are they connected to and you know you start following all these people but Sometimes I get lost in the mess. I'm curious, do you yeah. ever use maybe like the save feature? So you were, you're reminded to like, go look at these people or on LinkedIn, like, do you ever download the yeah. list so you know who's on there? So I would say I definitely obviously remember local people first before I remember somebody out in LA that I'm following. But like, so yeah, I'll remember like, okay, this person does this, blah, blah, blah. And I'll save the post. I save every single post and I have categories on my saved thing for like, oh, this is for submissions. This is for editorial. This is for whatever. Um, and so I always will have that post there when I'm looking for somebody or something. But yeah, I started doing that like two weeks ago. So I'm finally starting to get things organized. I have so many saved posts. I know exactly what you mean. But two weeks ago, I was like, yeah, this is really important. So I'm going to start categorizing everything. 
I think it's really smart. It's, uh, I'm not very, I do save and I have stuff similar to you, but I'm definitely not that organized. <laughs> I don't think I ever I'm, save. I'm I know. still oh. a mess. I'm still like, like that was literally two weeks ago. It's still like, there's only maybe like 20 to 40 photos in each category. But as you know, like my saved is probably thousands of things that I still need to go back. But yeah. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting exercise, right? As you start to mm -hmm. think about how do I organize all this data and all these people that you actually want to stay in contact with. And so I would love to know as you grow and you have more body of work, have you done portfolio reviews? So I wouldn't say like any full portfolio reviews have happened. I've had like, I've sat down with professors and had like serious critiques and like suggestions and whatever looking at my work, but no formal reviews. Those happen at the end of my junior and senior year, but only with like certain bodies of work still. It's not the entire thing, but I, that's the nice thing about college is I'm allowed to just go up to anybody and say, Hey, do you mind scheduling a meeting with me to give me advice about X, Y, Z, whatever. But yeah. And I would say that sitting down with a professor freshman year and just having her help me gain confidence in the vision that I had about the work I was making about like women and body politics. When I was like 19, she was so helpful because she was just really like she was just really encouraging and I needed that from a woman and I needed that from someone like in power above me at school actually saying like the work you're making is important. So yeah, that one review, if you want to call it that, was just really impactful because I would have gone like whole other mess. I was going to go into a different major, like a multimedia major uh, because I was like, oh, I'm scared. I was still in that mindset where I was like, I don't know if photography school is important. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go into a multimedia major so I can do whatever I want. And she was like, Kanita, if you don't go into the photo major, I'm going to be really upset with you. You have to try it. There's amazing professors and curriculum. Like you have to try it. This is where you belong. Um, and at that point, I already declared the other major, but she got me to switch after everyone had already declared. So yeah, like that was obviously like pivotal in this career and everything and I kind of I didn't like suck up anything I was still like I realized like I can still be myself and do what I want and if what I'm doing outside of class isn't applicable in class like whatever I think both skills are important and I'm still doing my best to just bring what I want into class if that makes sense so have you stayed in touch with that professor since that meeting yeah, and her husband is one of my professors now. He works in the department. So that's nice that I have that connection. And I've TA'd for her once. I'm going to TA for her again. So she like, I always have her there. I can text her whenever I had questions. Like over the summer, I had questions about like journalism. And I know that she used to do magazine stuff. So I would go contact her for that. And that's the other nice thing about college. There's so many people that you're just fed. Like, here you go go talk to this person but not to say that it's all just handed to you like you still have to do a lot of stuff on your own right well, like you said before you know you have to ask when you yeah, don't know you have to point. ask yeah. yeah and uh when you ask your a lot of things are revealed to you and things that you probably you know didn't know that you didn't know yeah kind of come to light but I love that this professor has become a really pivotal person for you and has been a, mm -hmm. a mentor and kind of a guiding light for you so when you maybe get a little doubtful or maybe lose your way. Like you can always touch, touch base with them and say, yeah. Hey, like, am I losing sight of my original vision? Can you help me? Yeah. Um, and with the light of things going on in Texas in particular, speaking about body politics, I'm curious yeah. how, how the state of the world right now is affecting your growth in this project. So I would say that, I am constantly pissed off as a woman of color. I'm just constantly angry about so many things. And sometimes I just don't even know if I can put like that into words through photography, but I know that photography is my biggest, like it's the easiest way for me to communicate. I'm constantly making work about just like trying to change 
you know, the history of how we, not we, but how photography has depicted female bodies in the past as just like spectacle and objectified versus like actually being a subject. Um, I learned in like one of our artist lectures, um, I wish I remembered who the photographer was, but she was like the first female photography student at Yale, which is crazy. And she was talking to us about how I think in the 60s when that was, she was saying how like the work that she was making about women was like not important. And her male colleagues would like laugh at her in class and like insult the way that the women looked and stuff like that. And I think, I don't know, I'm just constantly responding to that. And after just like being treated poorly in this field and not being taken seriously at all, um, and being like mistaken as like an assistant or something on set and stuff like that when I'm in charge. I'm just continuing to make work about just changing the narrative that women are being represented with, I guess, in the past. And sometimes whether that means like actually representing like straight up taboos that we don't see in photography and like inserting that in public spaces for conversation, I'll do stuff like that. Or I'll just um, just emphasize you know, just taking photos of women and I don't know, just, yeah, just emphasizing that and emphasizing the importance between that relationship between woman to woman and just taking away like the objectified part. I love that. I feel like there's so much potential for where you can take that in your career mm -hmm. on a commercial level too, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, in current times that, um, there's so many campaigns around changing the narrative and having women behind the lens and what, mm -hmm. what that will look like in the future. So I like, I love how you've married that with your fine art work. It's very cool. I was going to ask you a little bit about your website. Is that something that they helped you with how to put together a concise website or no. is that another thing that you just sort of <laughs> no. like, I need a website they're gonna ask me to um look yeah at something no the class that I dropped has a whole section on website building um <laughs> and in order to class uh pass that class you have to have a good website that represents your brand which is like a great grade um but again I was like it's too much to take on this class right now I actually learned how to do my website by looking at other people like professors or photographers I looked up to and saying oh I really like the way that they're doing this I like the way their CV looks I like blah 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 and I did like I would go on YouTube and watch tutorials on like how to use Squarespace and stuff like that and just over time I figured out what type of layouts work for me and I'm still trying to figure that out but yeah that was something that I just had to look to other people again and figure that out. Cool. I mean, kind of impressive, I think. <laughs> I was kind of like, I mean, I assumed that they maybe were teaching you that as part of the <laughs> curriculum, but, but I mean, again, I think the tenacity that you have and the passion is so apparent for your craft that that's really what's pushing you forward, right? And making it all I, happen. Yeah. Like I tend to not, I wouldn't call myself impatient, but I'm just like eager. So if I am not learning something in school, I go do it myself. And back to like the pandemic, my class uh, was supposed to learn medium and large format film photography sophomore year last year. And they changed the curriculum on us. So we would be doing digital at the time so they could reserve that equipment for the upperclassmen, which was fine, but it was aggravating for us because that's not what we wanted to do at the time. And we're still doing digital right now in junior year. So we're like, we're, we're not very happy with that, but we're figuring it out. But I was like, wow, I want to learn all this stuff right now. So I went and bought a medium format camera and taught myself last fall. And I would go to campus while everyone was still online. Our entire major was online until this year. And I would go to campus and take out different cameras that I wanted to use before I bought them. And I would just look up online how to use them. It would be trial and error. And I learned so much through that, just having the resources to just pick up whatever camera I wanted at school. And I'm just continuing to do that because it's, it's just, I have realized there's so many projects I want to make. And sometimes I'll get freaked out like, oh, maybe I don't have the camera for this or the skills to do it. And I'm just like, well, if I wait any longer to learn this in school, 
then the project's going to slip away from me. Um, and I need to do it now. And I know that, like, I don't think that it's a huge problem that I've like learned it already. And will be like doing it again later in class, because it'll like increase my confidence and maybe teach me something that I obviously didn't know before. And yeah, so that's, that's what's been happening for the past two years, but I'm really thankful. Well, you'll definitely be ahead of the curve. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the one nice thing is that because you already had this innate curiosity, um, and you, you know, picked up and went and did it, which is going to be ahead of your classmates who haven't done that. I do think it allows you to explore more and be more creative to be like, oh, I want to do this large format project. Mm-hmm. Well, I know how to shoot large format now. Um, yeah. I think that's really awesome. And there was one other piece I wanted to say about that. I don't remember what it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I think it was, I think where what I wanted to go back to is your point of you know, if you want to figure it out, there's this great resource called the internet that now allows you to kind of learn almost anything. So as your curiosity peaks, you can go and kind of research it and figure it out. And the idea that the that the idea or that project will slip away really reminds me of the book Big Magic. I don't know if you've ever read Big Magic. Oh, no. Um, but I highly recommend it. It's a great book. It's all about creativity and what happens to creative ideas. Mm -hmm. I think it's something you would really resonate with, even if you listen to it, like on audio. Mm -hmm. Uh, But her whole piece is that the idea will stick around for a while. If you acknowledge Mm -hmm. that the idea is there, even if you're like, I can't do you right now, I'm going to press pause till three months from now or a year from now, like that idea will stick around until it realizes maybe it's not the right idea for you and it will go to somebody else. Right. Um, But I, I would just say, don't overwhelm yourself with ideas. I know. I completely agree. I just definitely mean that like there are just projects less as like big ideas, just more so like, oh, this person will not be here at yeah. this time anymore. And I'm like, I have to go do this right now. I have to go photograph um, them. But yeah. Yeah. But I totally agree. I think, yeah, it's it's overwhelming. Um, I always feel like I'm moving on like one skill to the next, but I just, I feel so eager. And I know that, you know, there have been plenty of times where I'm like, I need to do this right now. And I go pick up a new camera. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Um, and I'm like, yeah, this can wait till later, but at least I'm getting the skill down now so that I, when that moment comes, I know exactly what I need to do technically to achieve what I want conceptually. Awesome. And you mentioned that you were working mostly in film for your own personal mm-hmm. work, um, mm-hmm. but doing digital for school. So do you have, yeah. uh, obviously I'm going to guess like your personal choice right now is film. Mm-hmm. Um, but how is it to go between the two mediums and what do you find kind of the differences when you're creating with one medium over the other? So I, like I said earlier, was like, I learned photography through digital and it really worked for me. And then one day I just kind of felt like it wasn't working anymore. And I just didn't want to make artwork. Like I would just do nothing like one summer and I just did not want to take pictures. And it was sad. I was like, this is my favorite thing to do. Now it's gone. And I really wanted to pick up film. I tried it and I just fell in love with it. And it reminded me, it brought me back to my mom's um, archives because that's what I was surrounded by. And it just, it felt home to me. It felt like it fit me better. And when I had to make digital for class at first, I I guess for the entirety of last year while doing it, there was a lot of outside factors that made it miserable for me. But now that I'm like back in person and I'm doing less like class exercise work for homework and more like, okay, you have the technical skills. Now you can do something a little more conceptual, but it has to be digital. That feels a lot better. I, I feel okay switching between the two, but I think for my outside work, I definitely prefer film, but there are plenty of times where I've made work on digital and I'm like, wow, I can't believe the colors registered this way. And I kind of want to go back, but I don't know. Um, I'm okay going between both, but I'm glad that I just have kind of found what made me in the beginning, like when I was a kid, feel excited. And it was just the way everything looked in my mom's pictures because they were on film. It's interesting. I do, I do see my, um, 
older photographers going mm-hmm. back to film, like bringing mm-hmm. it back for some of their clients and shooting, like you said, they'll shoot with their, their digital, but then as a bonus, right? They yeah. say it's for themselves. I'm going to also shoot some film. And then those are the images that the client actually is picking. Um, yeah. Nine times out of 10. So it, it's kind of, for me, I, you know, I would love to see film make a bigger comeback. I think it, it's a beautiful It's movie. Yeah, it's coming back. And I hate how expensive it is right now because it is so aggravating. And Kodak had all of its Portra 400 down, as you guys know, over the past like two months. And it's been awful. But yeah, I definitely am trying to get out of the mentality I was in last year. I was like, oh, like film, film is the absolute best. I think they're both great for certain things. And I know if I ever wanted to do something more like e-commerce, digital is an important skill to have, and you can still make it look as beautiful as film does. And arguably you can make film look as beautiful as digital does, like you can do whatever you want. But yeah, it's interesting like to see photographers who started off with film go to digital and stay with that or vice versa or just go back and forth but like I think you can make good work with anything I've made work with like $12 cameras from eBay that are like that's like some of the best work I've ever made and I wish the quality was better but it looks great and that's yeah that's it (laughs) well right I think if it it comes down to if you have the eye you have the skill you have the composition right you know what you're um, how you're shooting it, what you want it to look like. But also how do you push your equipment? You know, so mm-hmm. because you're versed in both the digital and the film, and it sounds like you have a good knowledge of different types of film, you know, then you know, like, oh, well, if I'm shooting on this type of brand of film at this ISO, mm-hmm. then I know I can push it to do these types of things. And then when I get it processed, I can ask my lab to, you know, push it a stop or under yeah. a stop, and I'm going to get this type of effect which is a lot of knowledge that I think most people coming up today never gain uh, because we don't spend that time in the dark room or don't spend the time with a lab to actually understand how film is magical (laughs) yeah, uh, and see the beauty of what uh, image, you know, how an image used to come to life. We're very used to the instant moment of like, click, oh my God, look at us like two seconds ago. Aren't we just adorable? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I've had a couple of classmates, like we've all been really upset about the whole, we're still doing digital thing, but I'm, and all of them, we're really thankful that we're learning printing now that we're back on campus. That's why we're still doing digital, but we've all had conversations about like, what should come first, like learning uh, film before you learn digital in school or whenever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's like, I learned in my high school photography class for a semester, we did like the camera obscura thing that everybody does first. And black and white dark room with um, pinhole cameras and bean cans and stuff like that. And that was like really important in figuring out how the actual camera works because everything now is just like, it's given to you. You don't have to figure it out. Really you just, you set the settings and then push a button. And I think film is really important to getting you to think and actually like um, considering an image as like an object in itself and treating it more like that than just like something to just exist in like the digital world and have it keep going. Cause it can be something really important and have like substance. It could be a tangible item. Yes. That's what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think this is where you, when you start looking at people who do like family work or milestone Mm -hmm. events, why a lot of them will automatically include an album right? They might give a digital package of images, but at the end of the day, it's like that becomes the heirloom piece. Yeah. And Um, that's how photography started. Like it's, it's a document and it's meant to be, in my opinion, I think it's meant to be held. It's meant to be looked at. And yeah, it's just meant to be like an object that we can constantly go back to. Like, that's how I loved it because it was there and I could actually look at it and keep it. And that's just so important. It was meant like it was first meant to be like a document. It was a science experiment and it's just meant to stay like that. I don't know. Um, so do you print your work? Yeah, I started um, this year, especially like with every assignment we're required to. And for client work, I don't do it as much, obviously. But yeah, and I've been learning a lot more about the importance of printing, like 
doing gallery work and stuff like that. And it just, it takes on like the photos take on a whole new meaning when they're in a public space, especially when they're like uh, really important concepts. Like when it's actually on paper, it's like, oh my God, people are actually stopping to look at this and actually have a conversation and just having it exist within a space in itself is a whole new meaning for the work. Well, we could keep going. Or, <laughs> but our editor might have some. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I'm really no, no, enjoying no. the conversation. No, it's fascinating. And I think it's going to be really, you know, I'm sure our audience will have many other questions that Shelly and I haven't covered, but you've got a year and a half left of school. Is that right? Yeah. A year and a half. And then we'll see you in California. Hopefully. I hope so. I really hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we definitely want to check in with you again. And yeah, uh, you know, and for now, where can people see your work? So I have Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Kanitha with two A's at the end, K-A-N-N-E-T-H-A-A. Um, cause a lot of people actually have my name, which is interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah. And then my portfolio is just KanithaBrown.com. I have a LinkedIn if you want to look me up there, but otherwise those three are my big three. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait to see more of your work and what you do next. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We are focusonwomen.org. Make sure to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. Leave us a review. Please feel free to reach out to Shelly or I about being on our podcast as we are looking for new people to interview all the time. And we hope everyone stays safe and keeps their creative juices flowing. 